from the Podcast Detroit studios and Zoom everywhere else, the making of champions. Professional boxers inspiring amateur athletes to become champions. Presented by Joe Lewis, champion of them all, bourbon and bigger than life entertainment. In association with USA Boxing, Golden Gloves of America, the producers of MAC Boxing, Making a Champion Series, and BigFightWeekend.com. Join your hosts, Tanya Cole and Marquise Johns, with special guests from around the world of amateur and pro boxing, celebrating the legacy of Joe Lewis. Thanks for joining us tonight on the Making of Champions podcast of Podcast Detroit and Joe Lewis Bourbon. So um, I'm Tanya Cole out of Atlanta, Georgia here. And uh, down there in Florida, we've got Marquise Johns with the Big Fight Weekend. Thank you, Tanya. Great to have you on as always. And yeah. this weekend on the episode, we have a man who is going up for his first ever title shot for the WBA Super Welterweight title on Fox on August 29th. Uh, PBC on Fox is the main event. We are joined by the man who's going to take on Arizlandi Laura. We're talking to the villain, Greg Vendetti. Greg, how you doing, sir? What's happening, guys? Doing great, man. Doing great. Hey, I want to start with you. But oh, always, Greg. First things first, man. I want to get to you, get you top. Talk to me about your opportunity of getting uh, this, this chance at a title uh, on main, on national television. Tell me how you feel about it. Uh, I mean, how would anyone feel about it? I'm excited, man. I'm real pumped. It just seems like it's meant to be. Because this was somebody that my trainer, uh, Joe Ricciardi, predicted that I was going to get this fight maybe about three years ago. And I, I, I'm not even lying. And then when he got the call, he called me screaming, saying, I told you, I told you. And then, I, you know, what happened? He's like, hey, they called us. They want to see if they want to fight Lara, blah, 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 whatever. And uh, I, he literally called it about two or three years ago. So, I, I don't know, I kind of took it as a sign. So I'm real excited, had a great camp, ready to go. So he basically said, you know, just call me Nostradamus. But he also, yeah, yeah pretty much. He also said about a year ago that you're not doing this fight to prove anything to yourself, that you're doing this to prove something to the world. And what are you trying to prove to the world? Well, I mean, that's it's that I'm that I'm legit. You know, I mean, I feel having this fight with Lara. And of course, wanting to win, but just the idea is to do my best, and uh, I feel that will uh, that will earn me a seat at the table of legitimacy, just in the in the in, in front of the boxing gods. You know, it was, it was you know it will solidify my my legitimacy as an actual real world class professional fighter. You know, that's really about it. I don't got nothing to prove to myself. I know what I am now. I proved, I proved it to myself numerous times. But uh, just, you know, so everyone else can see it, I guess. Absolutely. And I want to talk to you about this, Greg. Actually, speaking of uh, leading up to your fight with us, when the last time you were in action was last year. You, you opened up, actually, because I saw it, on, it was on uh, Fight Night Live on the old Facebook Live program. They had mm. your fight as a main event, opening up the new Encore Casino out there in Everett. Uh, walk me through that last fight and how you, uh, you pretty much won that fight, pretty much one side against Michael Anderson. Yeah, no, that was cool. I mean, uh, it was a real big buzz. You know, the new casino opening up in Boston was a big deal. And uh, it was awesome to be the first event and then the first boxing event and then the first main event. You know what I mean? So it was a lot of firsts there, which was cool. And uh, because it was opening new, it was huge. You know, everyone and their mother showed up there. It was great. So that was real exciting. Uh, as far as the fight goes, yeah, man, I mean, I had a really good camp. Um, 
every every fight, every camp, I, I learn a little more. I get a little better, you know. I mean, I'm in that prime age now. I got a lot of experience, you know. I have almost uh, 27 fights, something like that, pro fights. So, um, but in that fight, I I just felt uh, just physically dominant. Like there wasn't anything he could really do to me, you know. If my trainer told me, "Hey, I want you to pick him up with one hand and throw him out of the ring," I probably could do it, you know. <laughs> It was just, uh, yeah, I felt real good in that fight, and uh, he, he was, you know, Anderson was good. He's a little older, but I mean, he was a real, he was a real up and coming prospect at one point. I think he, yeah. he was seventeen and two. He had, uh, he was signed with Top Rank at one point, so he was um, a real, you know, a real, a real. I don't, I wouldn't say a prodigy, but like an up and comer for for a while. And uh, so to be able to one sided landslide victory dominate is like okay, that's a good sign, you know. Twelve rounds. I mean, I think I threw almost eleven hundred punches. Yeah. In 12 rounds, which shows like, all right, I got something, you know, I got somewhat of a gas tank. I can go for a little bit at least. So, no, it was all it was good test. It was, it was fun. It was a good time. Speaking of that test, actually, because with, with this one with Laura, uh, it's going to step up in competition, as you well know. The last time you, you were had something along this heights, uh, you had to fight over to France for it with Michael Soro back in 2018. Yeah. Uh, as, you, as you well know, it's, it's on the internet, man. It, it didn't go out hey, for it you. Is, man. Yeah, it didn't, didn't go out for you. But just what quickly. Oh, lies, you. lies. <laughs> Tout ça s'est bloqué. Pour l'instant, très bon jeu défensif de la part de Michel Soro. Quickly, we'll back back to that fight back in 2018 with, with uh, Soro and how, how everything sure. leading up to that, just how, how it planned out. Well, that was kind of along the same lines. We had the fight with Kamagai, which was a, a really good win, a big win, uh, an entertaining fight as well. So then they pretty much contacted us, asked if we wanted to fight Soro, and uh, you can't say no, man. I mean, I'm not that no. kind of guy. Not, you can't say no. I mean, there's a lot of people that do say no. You know what yeah. I'm saying? There's a lot of guys that they, they talk the talk, but when time to show up, is, it's time to show up. They don't show up. They say no. So I thought to myself, like, hey, you know, I'm 28. Soro, not really built for me. The big dude. But, uh, hey, if I go in and if worst case scenario, I get blasted out of there, I'm 28. I still got time to recover from that. And, like, you know, I'm, I'm fighting for, like, a, not a world title. It was a, a WA gold world title, I guess. So it's like a minor world title. I'm not sure. So, But I looked at it like a good opportunity for exposure and the experience of going overseas and, like, having a title fight against, a, you know, highly, highly ranked elite boxer who literally knocks out everybody, let's yeah. face it. And, uh, yeah, so I, I took that as, like, you know, as a, a good opportunity once again to get my name out there, get the experience and everything and, and things like that. And I feel, <clears throat> excuse me, that um, that is one of the reasons I got this fight is because I, I took that fight and maybe even because I lost that fight, I also got this fight, you know, because Soro and, and Laura are like right there at the moment. So depending on who wins this fight, you know, Laura, they probably want Laura to fight Soro or possibly even me have a rematch with Soro. So it's all, it's, everything's, it's 3D chess. No, nothing's by accident. You know what I mean? So it's, um, no, that was a good experience. And as far as, as far as like the getting, getting knocked out goes, hey man, it's the game, man. It's part of doing business. You know what I'm saying? It's, 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 you got to do it for the cause, you know, that's it. So hey, it is what it is. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I learned from it and that's, that's about it for that one. So. Absolutely. Let's, let's, let's I'm sorry. Hey, Marquis, can I, can I get in a question, a quick question there? So speaking Ooh. of the game chess. <laughs> you know, we've got to set you up 
you know, for the checkmate. You know, checkmate. You know, we don't need to put you up there as a pawn, not to get swiped yeah. out. So, you know, you bowed out in the second on that sorrow fight. Mm. Um, afterwards, you came out of that with such a fantastic attitude, the resilience, the optimism, self-confidence. How did you develop that? And with that backing, what are you doing about it to prepare for this next fight? Because your coach says you've got it. Your fans mm -hmm. said you can take this. So what are you mm -hmm. doing about what you learned from that last fight? Um, okay, well, I would, as far as where the resilience comes from, um, I think that just is my life and going back to my childhood and everything. Like I, you know, I always felt, uh, I was everyone I not even myself if I feel like the no one expected much from me you know what I mean it was always you know almost have like a born to lose kind of aura around me from everyone else not myself but uh so I've, I've always had this has never been easy for me like ever you know day one I was you know if you could see me where I started you would be it was laughable you know it wasn't anything special at all but just through uh, committing myself to it and, and working real hard and, and never never giving up, just believing in myself, really. And that that's if the world doesn't believe you, as long as you believe in yourself, you're gonna you're gonna make it happen, man. That's it. Like you're gonna make it happen. So I think even when that knockout happened, like, hey, what it, you know, you get hit in the temple. What are you gonna do? You know, you go down. Yeah. I you know, if I was a little smarter, I might have uh, stayed down a little longer instead of getting up at two. Because then when I because there was only about twenty seconds left in the round. So if I, if I grabbed them maybe and held on a little bit or if I at least got up a little slower, the ref might have let the fight continue and I might have had the, uh, the break in between and been able to maybe recover. So that's just experience. You know, I learned that one from, from that fight. So uh, as far as what I'm doing about it, um, well, you know, my style doesn't – it is what it is. It doesn't really change. I try to be aggressive. I try to come forward. Uh, definitely tighten up the defense a lot. I'm a lot more disciplined with my hand placement. Uh, my head movement's always been pretty, pretty clutch. That's something I've, I've uh, always had down pretty well. Um, yeah, and I think not being too overly aggressive, being a little smarter, uh, and 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 being a little bit more um, tactical in, in in my timing with my aggression and when to do it and when not to do it. Instead of just having this mentality, oh, I gotta go out and I just gotta fucking uh, kill him and blah. That's not really you can't you can't get away with that at this level. You know you know what I'm saying? So I yeah. so I still got that that I still got that uh, that killer in me, but I got to be a little bit more honed with it and try to try to be a little bit uh, rely on the skill more and uh, be confident right. that I have the skill. You know what I mean? So right, yeah. that's what the pawns are for. That's what the yeah, that's what the pawns are for. Sure. <laughs> Sorry about that, Marquise. Go ahead. Absolutely. And actually, to piggyback of what you mentioned with uh, controlling the pace, uh, pretty much uh, getting into the fight, not being as overly aggressive. We had Lamont Roach on about two weeks ago. And in his live title fight with Jamel Herring, the biggest issue he had was, and had he, said, had he said he could start the fight over again, he said he wanted to start out a little stronger because in his fight, kind of similar to what you mentioned, but just the complete opposite where he didn't get going until pretty much the 10th of the 12th yeah. round. So... Mm. All right, is your goal, Greg, pretty similar in terms of like just to keep your action going ahead of time? Because your, your style is pretty come forward where it's, uh, yeah. it's, not, it's not exactly to sit and, and pick your spots because Roach is more of a counter puncher waiting for Herring mm. to make a move, which who is not really an excessive counter puncher as well. So it kind of, if, speaking of chess, it kind of went like a, a, a checkers in a way. But yeah, so in terms of that, your goal is just pretty much to be simpling against Laura to 
to be more controlled in your in your in your, in your ability up front or just to interject as well? Uh, yeah, I mean, be a little bit more patient uh, in the in the early part of the fights and kind of let it unfold. And uh, I feel, you know, Lauer doesn't really like pressure too much. You know, he doesn't like uh, aggression. He doesn't like fighting going backwards. I, I, it is possible for me to get him to the ropes and start to to do work. You know, he doesn't have that same super agile footwork that he used to in the when he fought Angulo and Canelo. That's kind of you don't really see that much from anymore. Yeah. It's the age, you know. He's up there. He's a little long in the tooth, you know. Uh, so if I can make him move and make him punch and, and miss earlier in the fight and uh, not take a lot of damage coming in. And then as the fight progresses, start to slowly pick it up and pick it up. I'll start to get his timing down a little bit better. And, you know, and then in the last couple of rounds, it's, hey, you got to, you know, you got to try to go in for the kill, you know. So, yeah, I mean, that's really it. Just kind of slowly wear him down. I can't take a step backwards. If I go backwards and I, I, I stand at the end of his range, it's, uh, it ain't happening. It ain't going to be a good night. So I got to constantly put pressure on him, but methodically. You know what I'm saying? Hands tight. Yes. Don't Don't take a lot of punishment going in. And I tell you, you know, I think, I don't know. I think I could do it. Really, I really do. I'm really confident, you know? So that's it. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a quick break with that on the Making of Champions on Joe Louis Bourbon and Podcast Detroit. We'll be back in a minute. There's the left hand over the top, and there's a big one right there, right on the chin, two in a row. And here comes another one, three, four, big left hands with a hook in between. There's five. Around the globe, they feel it, and you will see it before your eyes. The Making a Champion Boxing Series, presented by Bigger Than Life Entertainment. Punches and punches from boxers dedicated to delivering thunderous and devastating blows. Oh, a straight right. From the United States, Africa, France, and beyond. This is a real opportunity to showcase worldwide talent hooked on starting. Boxers worldwide, their eyes. Seen live on the CBS Sports Network. What you're thinking about um, in, in terms of what's happening with this next fight? I think you've set us up a little bit with kind of the when and where. You set us up with the technical aspects, how Greg's going to approach this fight. So what about his competition? Yeah, in terms of his competition, the guy he is facing is Arizlani Landa, Lara. And the guy he, he's facing, and it's funny, he mentioned, the uh, Greg mentioned earlier, the, the version of the WBA Super Welterweight title, which is on the line of this. Essentially, to those who don't, who don't understand how the, how the WBA works, they have their, their – they have their put. Their, the best way I can explain how they have, have their titles set up is they, they have their titles set up pretty much into like a uh, a slice of pizza. Laura has the super version of it, which is the biggest slice of pizza. Uh, when you when Greg faced uh, Soro, he had the gold version of it, which is a a set, the second biggest slice of pizza. And then there's other vices, uh, variations of it as well, which is the uh, interim and then regional vitals and so on and so on. But Greg mentioned a great point where he mentioned that it's a chance for revenge and. Nothing beats revenge, Greg. And if you were to get past Laura, you mentioned the fight with Soro. I can't think of any other better scenario than you getting a chance to challenge, challenge Soro back to that <laughs> loss in 2018. Uh, well, I mean, if, you know, if I do beat uh, Laura in uh, the 29th, we got to, you know, see what the best opportunities are for, yeah. you know, go, going forward. And, of course, you know, this is a sport, but at the same time it's a business, so we got to look at, like, the financial goals are next. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, having a rematch with Soro 
here in the States, preferably the Garden in Boston. I don't, I can't imagine like a better, a better scenario. It, it's just, you know, I mean, he'll be a little older. I'll be a lot more experienced and uh, yeah, I don't know. That'd be, that'd be, that'd be something else, you know, but it's all about, you know, of course, like it's, it's, you know, it's a business and if the money lined up and everything worked out good, then like, oh yeah, that's something I could definitely like see happening in the future without a doubt. It'd be great. Well, you know, Greg, I think, let's see, you're kind of hot today in terms of the news. You're in oh. the Ever Independent as well as the Boston Globe, both today. Have oh, you read those articles yeah. yet? I saw that. There was one, I think, the Herald. I got to do an interview with the Globe, I think, tomorrow or something. Okay. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah the Boston I mean, Herald, that's right. The Herald. That's right. That's yeah. right. That's yeah, right. That's all good. Yeah. And yeah, so I mean, in the right. Ever Independent, you said, I think they picked me because I'm entertaining enough to be profitable but I'm not considered dangerous enough to be a threat. That's but it. I think they messed up and they don't know about me. I think it's a good opportunity to show the world that I'm the real deal. Now, you know, being the villain that you are, you know, don't let them underestimate you. Oh, no. That's no, not that's good advice. That's that's a little advice. <laughs> uh, but I, I mean, that's really like, you know, going back to, uh, it is a sport, but at the same time, it's a business, you know, and I think they, they, right. a lot of people look at me and, uh, you know, like I said, it's, I'm, my style is entertaining. Uh, my persona, I guess, if you want to call it, is a little entertaining, uh, enough to, you know, draw in an audience, be a little profitable. Um, I'm going to push the pace. You know, I'm not one of these counter guys. So him and me are just going to waltz in front of each other for 12 rounds. I'm going to push the pace. I'm going to try to, you know, make it uh, action packed, but I'm not, they don't, I'm not considered dangerous enough to be a threat. You know what I'm saying? So it's like a risk versus reward. And I don't blame them. Like I don't, I don't take it personal. I understand it. I'm a flat footed five, six white kid from the burbs. You know what I mean? Like, Hey, it is what it is. <laughs> now, I don't have a amateur background or anything, you know? So I understand that, but this has been a common theme in my whole career where that same equation that I just gave you, risk first reward, blah, 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 and uh, I always rise to the occasion every time. So with the exception of Soro, hey, you know, you got to tell it like it is, but I mean, for the most part, more often than not, that's how it goes, and I always rise to the occasion, you know, so I think... Um, yeah, I don't know. I think they did a miscalculation. I think they were, uh, you know, trying to play that 3D chess, but I think I got them in check right now. So we'll, we'll find out, though. I'm confident. There you go. Uh, big things do come in small packages. They got to watch out for that. <laughs> there we go. So um, I know Patricia, in your last talk with uh, Peter and Michael, I don't know what Peter's doing. He's probably on some boat somewhere. Michael's probably back <laughs> in that, hiding in that speakeasy. But mm -hmm. when, they, when Patricia asked you um, about some of the pointers that you would give the youth kind of coming up in the in boxing you gave these suggestions don't try to be the bruiser train condition mm -hmm. consider your skill and try not to get hit are you going to take yeah. your own advice in this next fight well i mean that's always like the plan is hit and don't be hit, hit. you know you but go. uh that's definitely don't like i say you don't want to be one of these guys that uses face as a catcher's mitt you know you don't want to don't let anyone talk to you like oh yeah being tough and coming no no that never works out in the end it really doesn't so if you have that it's good to know you have it but don't rely on it for success like it ain't gonna happen it ain't gonna happen it's tough ain't enough you gotta have the skill and, and focus on the skill so now in this fight i've really polished the skill uh, to the best of my ability and i've really sharpened up to the best of my ability 
I, it's good to know I have that um, ability to get rough and tough and, you know, get violent and everything like that. But it's not something I'm looking to really, really focus and rely on. Like I said earlier, it's, it's controlled aggression. It's methodically coming forward, putting pressure on them without, you know, getting hit with nonsense that I shouldn't get hit with. So that's, that's as far as, um, as if my advice to the youths and also something else, read about finance. That's something that I, if guys that are coming up, young kids, boxers, they want to be pro or go pro. It's good. You know, you have people around you that help you and they guide you and they take care of you, but it's always good to like understand more of yourself of what's going on. So, I mean, if you don't even like to read, there's plenty of audio books out there, but yeah, I definitely recommend understanding how money works, what to do with it after the fight. So, cause you I mean, you see a lot of guys, they have good careers and they even make some money, but then five years after they're, you know, uh, digging ditches, you know what I'm saying? Uh, it's a hard labor. Like that. So it's unfortunate, it's sad, yeah. but you know, you can't, you, you, you got to kind of expect it in this game. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. there's no union. You know, there's no boxer unions where we have like rights or anything. No, it's the Wild West. So you got to take it upon yourself to educate yourself so, you know, you don't get screwed, basically, you know? Right. So I think Joe Lewis said, you know, everybody's got a plan um, until they get hit. And yeah, I, know that, yeah. um, I know that you talked in the last podcast with Peter and Michael about maybe fighting until you're about 33, right? Mm, or so yeah. has that changed? Well, no, I think, I mean... It's, you got to play it by ear, of course. Like, I'm not going to put a timeline on anything. I mean, that'd be foolish. But 33 seems like a nice age to retire. I can say I was a pro for 10 years. And uh, win or lose this fight, if I, if I have a good fight and I put on a good show, I mean, 33, I mean, what's that, three more years? You know, I'll be yeah, maybe like four or five fights. You know what I'm saying? Five, four or five more fi good fights. Yeah, I don't know. That'd be a nice I'd – be, I'd be proud of that. Something I can hang my hat on, you know what I mean? So – Pro for 10 years, finished with about, uh, what do I get now, 27, over 30 professional fights, you know, decent mm -hmm. record, maybe a title, you know, so, yeah, that's, but, you know, of course, if my health doesn't hold up in the next few years, like, you gotta, you gotta call it quits, it ain't worth being brain damaged, you know? Yeah. There you go, there you go. Okay, so, more with Greg Mendetti, with the Making of Champions on Joe's Bourbon and Podcast Detroit comes back after this and we'll find out what uh, the business tells him as to what the next plans are gonna be. So we're back. Greg, I know you've given us sort of a little bit of a, a blueprint of what you're thinking about. Mm. What are your next plans? I know that uh, there's this new Broadway boxing club out there and you're working with the youth. What's next for you? Um, okay, well, I mean, after the fight, 
you know, win or lose, draw, whatever. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I work. I'm a plumber. I got a, I got a plumbing license, so that's something I do. And I also teach at a couple boxing gyms, a couple title boxing gyms. You know, little classes, do personal training, which you know, it's fun. I enjoy it. And uh, yeah, I bought a. I uh, recently bought some property. You know, I got a couple multifamilies or uh, one multifamily, I should say. But I'm planning on a couple, and um, and that's going well. You know, working on the houses, things like that, and uh, just trying to with this money I've made from boxing, I mean, I'm, you know, trying to make, generate wealth, not so much just be rich, you know what I mean? So I'm trying to make this yeah. stuff like, you know, uh, buying up assets, not liabilities, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You won't see me driving uh, anything, you know, newer than a 10-year-old car for the next probably, I don't know, five or six years, you know what I mean? So, but uh, yeah, it's really it, just trying to be smart with the money and smart with the cash and, uh, you know, keep, keep, teaching the classes and um, teaching. I teach a couple kids up at the Broadway Boxing Club, which is fun. You know, I think that's something that um, a lot of young boys need now, especially, is just somewhere to put this energy and aggression. Because, I mean, let's face it, school, that ain't, it ain't designed for an energetic young kid. I mean, I, if anyone knows that better, it's me, you know? Yeah. So it's good to have a place where they can go and just get it out and not have to worry about, whatever saying something that's mean that hurts someone's feelings or whatever i mean you can literally punch each other and get in fights and like not get in trouble so it's i think it's a lot of young boys especially troubled kids you know that's it's good for them it's good for them to you know they build confidence and they they build self-esteem and they don't have to act like a tough guy or anything because they know they got it they are they proved it to themselves in the gym so they don't have to do it out in the street you know what i'm saying so that that feels, that feels nice to do i'm probably going to do that for the probably the rest of my life I don't think that's ever not going to be a part of me. So, yeah, yeah, that's about it. Marquise, what you got? Absolutely. I want to follow up on something you mentioned earlier, Greg. You mentioned 10 years and out. And it's, I think it's an ideal goal for a lot of boxers because you see some boxers mm -hmm. actually take that up, up for words. Uh, late, latest memory is James Eubank who got in and got out after 10 years last year and retired. You then mm -hmm. you see a lot of these fighters who are still fighting way past this. I mean, you're facing Laura who's yeah. 37. I mean, we they're, they're, in the, as you know in the news, Mike Tyson and Roy Jones are fighting in their yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. in fact, in fact, as this is recording, you may have seen it, may or not have seen this. Oscar De La Hoya announced on ESPN he's coming back out at 47. So, yeah. ex ex explain to everybody the importance of you just actually having a pretty much a, a solid 10 years and like a ribbon just to, just to signify the importance of your boxing career. Um, well, I think, like I said, kind of like you can't put a timeline on it. Because even Water, for example, he's 37, but and he's he's had some rough ones recently, but he's not like this big aggressive bruiser type of guy. You know what I'm saying? He's had a lot of amateur yeah. fights, but he's always been like a, a like he he's a master of the skill. You know, he's always been like a boxer, counter puncher type dude, not taking a lot of damage. So certain guys with certain styles, they can kind of last a little longer than someone like, uh, you know, maybe me, who's more aggressive and tries to get in the trenches a little more, you know. So I think that has a lot to do with it, the styles and, uh, and such. But, yeah, man, you see it a lot with, um, I mean, guys that are great or I mean, guys that aren't even really that good. There's just something that's – it's hard to find something else that compares to getting in the ring in front of all those people and fighting, you know what I mean? And uh, fortunately for me, I've, I've, I've got other things I can do for money and I, I'm not, boxing something I do, I enjoy. It's not something I need financially, 
And uh, I have a lot of other things I want to do in life. And uh, I'm, you know, even though I, I love boxing, I'm excited for this fight, and I'm excited for the next, the rest of my career. I'm also excited to to see what after boxing I can do. I mean, I have a lot of things I want to do, like I said, and uh, so it's, you know, for a lot of guys, it seems like this is all they this is all they got. They got nothing else, you know, and that's why you see a lot of guys that retire. Where do they go? They go into drugs. They go into drinking. They got nothing to fill the void. You know what I mean? So it's unfortunate. It's sad, but you know, you gotta boxing. Gotta be something that you do when you enjoy. It can't be your whole life because it's not here forever. You, you eventually you have to stop. Eventually it goes away. Yeah. And if you're not prepared for that when it happens, like you might, yeah, you might suffer a bit. It might it might be hard for you. So. I don't know. You gotta you gotta find other things to do, I guess, that you enjoy. Well, it's great. It sounds like you have a plan, but the here and now, your plan mm. is to cash in on Lara. Oh in a yeah, couple of weeks. that's right. All right, that's the plan. That's the plan. That's right. Um, Greg, how can we find you on social media? Um, yeah, I'm on uh, Instagram at, at um, Greg V seven eight one. Greg the villain Vendetti. Uh, Facebook, I'm just. Uh, Think Greg Vendetti or Gregory Vendetti? Hold on, I can tell you right now. Greg Let's Vendetti, yeah. Yeah, that's about it. I mean, I know I should. I know I'm supposed to, but I'm not super active on it. I don't, it's just not really my thing. But uh, <laughs> I am there. We post some things here and there and stuff like that. So, you know, I definitely put all the fight news out there and things that the important shit people got to know, but I don't take pictures of my food or uh, my <laughs> app or whatever the hell people do. I don't Yeah. <laughs> inspirational quotes that I pick up the internet. I don't do anything like that. There you go. Uh, Marquise, recap for us. How can we watch the fight? Absolutely. We can watch this fight with Greg in the main event, closing out the PBC on Fox show, uh, BB Fox Free TV. If you have a regular TV or in the old satellite converter box, you can watch this on Fox. Uh, Saturday, August 29th, fight car starts at 8 p.m. Eastern. More than likely, Greg will be on in the 9, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock hour. But he will be in the main event taking on Ayers Larry Lon, the 40 WBA Super Welterweight title. All right, Greg, the villain Vendetti, we wish you the best. We're still right. following you. Thank you so much for coming back a second time. We hope that you can make it out to see us again after this yeah, fight. All the best. This won't be a win. Win, lose, or draw. I'll be back for a couple more. Oh, it's going to be a win. That's a check. I feel it. I really feel it. Check me. <laughs> Take care and thank you. All right, thank you, yeah. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks, Greg. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us tonight on the Making of Champions podcast with Joe Lewis Bourbon and Podcaster Troy. Good night. Thank you both. All right, All right. thank Watch you. For tomorrow. We'll do. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Absolutely. Nice, nice job. Mar Marquise, do you have two minutes, two seconds? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going anywhere. Go ahead. Okay. So, how are you feeling? He fought for a nation. Schmeling was the Goliath. Lewis was the David. Probably the only time in history of America that a black man ended up being a white hope. This fight was the biggest fight in the history of the world. In the middle of the 20th century, with their country in crisis, Americans found that hero among their own. We're going to do our part and we will win because we are on God's side. His stage was so big, 
that downtrodden Americans, regardless of their age or race, felt a glimmer of hope creep into their lives just by watching him. In the end, it was a common man who reached the top and brought an entire country with him. From the podcast Detroit studios and Zoom everywhere else, the making of champions. Professional boxers inspiring amateur athletes to become champions. Presented by Joe Lewis, champion of them all, bourbon and bigger than life entertainment. In association with USA Boxing, Golden Gloves of America, the producers of MAC Boxing, Making a Champion Series, and BigFightWeekend.com. Join your hosts, Tanya Cole and Marquise Johns, with special guests from around the world of amateur and pro boxing, celebrating the legacy of Joe Lewis.